Hi guys, welcome to this episode of the Battle of Fitness podcast. And today I have my very first guest on the show and it's Oshin Mulligan. And um, he's currently got over 500,000 followers on Instagram, over 450,000 subscribers on YouTube. And there's obviously a lot more chapters in the story of his life before he got to that. So we'll start with that. So Oshin, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about where you came from, what your story is and how you got into the fitness industry? I will indeed. This is always the hardest question of every single podcast is like, fuck, I hate talking about myself. But uh, <laughs> everybody's the same, I think. So I suppose to go back to the very, very beginning, I was about 130 kilos back. I actually don't know what age I would have been at the time. I would have been quite young, probably midway through secondary school, maybe the start of secondary school. Um, and my brother came into my room. I was like, oh, Shane, you're at this, this weight now. And if you go much heavier than that, you're going to get to a point where it's going to be very difficult for you to change because the heavier that I got, the harder it was to move, the harder it was to, to get up and go to the gym or the harder that was to control my hunger cues and stuff like that. And he kind of knew that because he'd done a nutrition course. Um, and he came into my room anyways and he was like, do you want to come along to the gym with me? And one thing I always talk about on my Instagram and stuff is how he didn't come into my room and call me fat, how he didn't approach it from a negative standpoint of you're overweight, you're fat, you're lazy, all this sort of stuff. Instead, he just tried to support me and bring me along with him. And I don't know if, again, people listen to this podcast, few people might have older brothers. You kind of always look up to them and their friends are probably the coolest people on the planet as well. Because you're like, fuck, his, him and his friends are so cool. So he was like, will you come to, to the gym with me and John? And John would have been his best friend at the time. And I was like, yeah, of course, uh, because I wanted to spend time with him because I thought it was, he was unreal. So anyways, ended up going to the gym, really, really enjoyed it because he was there. He was telling me how strong I was. He was kind of pointing out all the, all the positives of what I was doing and just kept pushing me on and supporting me. And like, he'd come, like, how are you getting on this week? And if I was having a tough week, he could be like, look, you're, you'll be all right. That's grand. That happens. That happened to me. And he kind of relate to my story. And so anyways, going on from there, I'd actually planned to do architecture once I finished school, because again, people were, my mom was like, oh, you have to go to college, you have to go do something. And at that time, I had no interest in sport, no interest in nutrition, never played any sport before. If I did play, I was on the bench. Um, to then uh, ending up switching my course to do a sports science degree. So I was like, fuck it, last minute. I started learning about nutrition, started learning, losing a little bit away here and there. And I was like, fuck, I'd love to help people that are in the exact same position I was. I then uh, ended up signing up to kind of start that course. I had to get so many points, but, even, sir, but I remember all of my lectures are like, why would you go from architecture to sports science? There's no jobs in sports science. There's no benefit once you finish that college course. It's useless. You're never going to be able to do any of that. And I was kind of like, I don't really care. I'm just doing it so I can go and help people. And if I can't get a job after, well, then I'll fig figure out when I get there. So I went to, uh, anyways, college, did sports science, came out. And then when I came out of college, I actually didn't get to graduate. Well, I did graduate in the end, but was like online because of COVID. So at that stage, I was working in a gym doing PTs. I kind of had to stop. So I was doing individual PTs. Uh, after school, I was working in, or after college and I was working in a um, CrossFit training center um, in Athlone. And it just ended up that me and the uh, coach kind of had a little bit of a kind of tiff or whatever. So he was like, oh, you're not working here anymore. And actually none of it on my behalf. I just I, I was, uh, kind of out from here on the podcast or whatever. But essentially from there, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go online. I'm going to set up my own stuff. going to try to help out as much people as I can. And I just started doing it online. And actually at, this, at that time, I wasn't charging really for online coaching whatsoever. I was just doing it for free. Um, and I started to, to burn myself out because loads of people watching videos are getting shared around the town. And one moment it kind of blew up for me. What started to initially before the really, really big blow up was I ate McDonald's for two weeks and, and lost weight doing so. So that was one of the biggest challenges I did. I ended up on the radio, ended up on newspapers, on Lad Bible, everything from there. And my account started to garner a little bit of a following. And then I kind of slowed down. And then coming towards the end of lockdown, um, I posted a video around Christmas time telling people that, look, I'm sick of personal trainers telling you just get a jacket on, throw gloves on, go outside for your walk. 
if you just get your steps in in a shopping center, that'll work. And then all of a sudden, my following, I woke up one day, it was 100,000. I woke up the next day, it was on 500,000. It was absolutely nuts. Then I think it was a few months later, my TikTok did the exact same thing. And then only two or three months ago after actually the previous IFS, just as I finished, and I was t- helping people with the content, trying to tell people how to blow up. My YouTube ended up blowing up and I went from, uh, I actually didn't even have a YouTube account the, uh, the month prior, set up my YouTube account and then I went from zero to, to half a mil on there as well. And again, to see like 1.5 million people looking for my help or looking and engaging in my videos in certain aspects is, is fucking amazing. So to come from a point where I was 130 kilos to then helping people out losing weight and putting videos up online to help losing weight is, is a crazy thing when I look back to it. And I, I think I spoke about that at, at IFS as well, um, of like how years ago when I was overweight, I would never have ever pictured myself of even losing one kilo, never mind losing the, the 30 or 60, the 60 pounds that I did lose. Um, or or to getting down to about 80 kilos and, and kind of going back and up between 80 and 90 or whatever. But I'd never see myself get into that position back when I was struggling to then be standing in front of all these fitness professionals and trying to teach them how to put their content out there or trying to help them out with their own coaching is a fucking wild transition because I would always look at these people with their tops off or like on fitness magazines and be like, I'll never be around them. I'll never see them. I remember watching like Ben Carpenter's videos on YouTube and I remember watching James Smith's videos on TikTok and Instagram when I was in school or when I started to lose uh, weight and, and during uh, college and stuff. And then to be alongside them is, is absolutely fucking crazy. So yeah, that's a long-winded version of my story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, one thing I picked up on there, obviously, I think uh, your talk at IFS was called I'm Not Supposed to Be Here. Is that right? Uh, exactly, yeah. And I think with IFS and with you and the, the best the best people that were there and the best speakers, obviously not everyone's been in your, your situation. Not everyone's been 130 kilos and managed to lose that weight, which will help you massively because, well, two reasons. One, you can cut the shit and, and know what works, especially for yourself, but for other people as well. And two, you can relate to the problems and the challenges that they're facing as they go through them because I know and you know there's many different challenges at many different times. But back to the IFS thing, the people that seem to do really well there, the people that give the best talks are the ones that don't bullshit. They sort of realize what the crack is and they you know, are straight to the point. Yeah. I, th- I think the biggest thing with, co- with coaches and even for yourself, actually, like we were just chatting before we came on here about having been overweight before, having been 130 kilos is that we actually meet people in the middle. So like we meet people where they're coming from because we've been in their boots before. For some coaches that maybe haven't been in a position, I'm not saying that you have to be overweight to be a weight loss culture to help people with it because there is great coaches that haven't been as well because they put in the effort of understanding people, put in effort to kind of research and understand what's going on. But for most coaches, it's like this, right? And this lower level, I don't know if you've video on your podcast, but if not, it's essentially what it is, is coaches generally will talk down to, to uh, coaches generally talk down to, to other uh, people that they're working with. So they'll talk down to their clients. Say, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. Instead of actually understanding how they're feeling and meeting them halfway. So meeting your client out, okay, look, I understand that this is really difficult. I understand how difficult it is to get up and get your steps in when you're not feeling great. I understand how difficult it is to make sure you're eating enough protein throughout the day or how difficult it is to drink enough water. What's the challenges that we can kind of come to the conclusion of what 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 can we do to, to get to this position rather than being like, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do that. meet them in the middle and actually come to some sort of compromise with their ideas and your ideas. Like both to come together and come up with an idea together. Because again, as a coach, we're here to guide people and help people. We're not really here to tell people exactly what to do all the time. It's like listen and understand. But that's the aspect a lot of coaches miss out on. I think that's because there's a lack of understanding of how difficult it actually is there. Yeah. And one thing I've learned over the past, you know, a couple of years or so is that there's a difference between coaching or mentoring. And if you're just telling people what to do with creating robots that are just doing actions for the sake of doing it and 
one, they may not understand why, and two, they might find it really fucking hard. Yeah. Unless you're coaching people through that process, then they'll find it even harder to get results. And that's when they end up sacking it off and feeling even worse. Yeah. What I kind of explain to my clients as, as I am is like, do you know the way you see in the, on, uh, on video or on films and stuff where they talk about like the devil on the shoulder, like you see the devil appear on someone's shoulder. I'm like that, but just as a coach. So I'm on your shoulder just being like, could probably be a better idea if you get some protein in that meal rather than just having whatever you're having there. Or maybe, you know what, actually, yeah, go and enjoy that food for this weekend, but just make sure you're getting back on track on Monday. That's essentially what I am. Instead of being the driver of the car, instead of being inside your head and being like, this is what you have to do, do this, do this, do this, like a, a rigid meal plan. As humans, we need to be a little bit more flexible um, mm-hmm. and understand, look, what the positives and negatives of an aspect is. And I think that's where, as you said, the difference between coaching and mentoring comes in. Yeah, so... Um, I think one thing that you touched on there as well, which I wanted to talk about is, uh, how your brother came and sort of like, he pulled you towards the place where he knew you probably wanted to go, but didn't know how, rather than pushing you down deeper into a further place where you were. So like you said, he came into your room, he invited you to the gym with his friend, you thought it really cool. And it, got, it and sort of created that environment and that support system to start something new and feel comfortable doing it. Whereas a lot of people don't have the access to that and right support system around there. So one thing. I find, I don't know what you think, but like, I feel like this, the way you start out and the support system you have around you at the start can like shape and define how you go through the whole, the whole process. Yeah. I think if I didn't have my brother, would I be where I am now? Absolutely not. I think I needed that kind of kick because I always like, I was always bullied for my weight in school all the time. It was the only t- insult that was ever thrown at me, no matter what, it was like, you're fat or that's the only thing I'd ever be laughed at. But from that, there was no help as to how I could go about losing the weight from there and actually matter of fact by being called fat and not supported and talked down to and called lazy most people turn to food to cope with those emotions anyways of feeling not great and that's why most people would gain weight 99% of people would gain weight off the back of not feeling good emotions being all over the place stressful situations changing routine different things like that and there was no support for me there to be like okay Ushin, here how we're going to feel better rather than focusing on the weight loss aspect and nobody actually told me that instead it was just you're fat you're lazy and the only thing that made me want to do then is turn to food so i ended up gaining more, more weight off the back of it instead of my brother coming in and being like look Ushin, you're really upset about your weight at the moment let's see if there's something we can do about it. let's try this let's try going to the gym together and having that support and having that push on but if i didn't have it, i definitely wouldn't be where i am now and so for people listening that are like okay i don't have anyone like that around me or i really want to lose weight and i don't have that support system it's like create one your friends are around the place. I'm sure everybody has one person that can think of and be like, do you know what? Do you want to go out for a walk with our coffees today instead of just sitting down in the coffee shop? Do you want to start going to the gym together? I'm thinking about starting. And I'd say they'd be delighted too because most people are probably thinking of it the exact same thing that you want to do but are just too anxious or too nervous to go by themselves. And so if you involve someone else in it, it, it it's just much easier to keep up. And I actually think that that's one aspect of health and fitness. Well, there are two as- aspects of health and fitness that I looked at a lot. First of all is using health and fitness to feel better um, rather than just focusing on fat loss. So a lot of reason I've kept off the weight and not regained any is because every time I wake up, I don't be like I'm going out on a walk because I want to lose fat. Every time I wake up, I'm like I'm going out on a walk because it helps me feel better. It helps my mental health. It helps me just feel good for the rest of the day. If something shitty happens, well then I feel good after the walk and I'm less likely to let it overtake my whole entire life or turn to food to cope with it. If I start to feel really shitty nowadays and some something bad or something stressful has gone on throughout today, instead of going, oh, I'm going to depress, I'm going to be like, oh, I need to do exercise to help myself feel better because I know that makes me feel good. So I think that's one aspect needs to be focused on a little bit more um, in comparison to what it is now because most people are just like, you need to lose fat and then you'll feel happy. I think the thing is you need to be able to implement the steps of what makes you feel better and then you lose fat rather than it being focused on the other way around. Yeah, yeah and that, that makes a lot of sense because obviously what I try to get across with you as well is probably like 
if you focus on the process and focus on enjoying what you're doing, then the physical result sort of takes care of itself. It just happens automatically. But if you focus on the result, then you start overthinking it and getting overwhelmed with the work that you do need to put in to get that. And you sort of touched on there because obviously my next question we're going to be about how do you build that solid mindset around like restrictive, restrictive eating, dieting, stuff like that when it comes to building a healthy routine and building, you know, yeah. Loss. I, th- I think, right. So one of the main things, and, and people expect this when they come into coaching as well, is that, oh, I'm going to join Ocean's coaching. I'm going to join Ashley's coaching. And they're going to tell me exactly what to do. I'm going to be perfectly fine. And all of my issues are going to be solved. My emotionally, it's going to be solved. My binge eating is going to be solved. The fact that I overeat all the time or that I'm gaining weight is going to be solved. Not going to happen. No matter what coaches, that that's not going to happen. If you're going and joining a coach and you're doing everything perfect when you sign up with that coach, you do not need that fucking coach. That is not what you're there for. What you actually need to do is be fucking up as many times as possible when you have a coach. If you're jumping on my program and you're getting everything perfect from week one to week six, you've essentially just pissed away the 129 euro that you signed up with. What you want to do is join and mess up every single week because you only learn by messing things up. So if you're joining my program and the first week you're overeating at the weekends, the second week you're overeating at the weekends, the third week you're overeating at the weekends, I guarantee you by the fourth week you won't be overeating at the weekend because we'll have figured it out. We'll just start implementing small steps. So rather than people looking at the aspect of binge eating or overeating or whatever as a negative, be like, okay, the positive because now I know where I'm going wrong. Now I have one thing I can focus on for the next week and implement small steps. And just because you have one thing to focus on for next week doesn't mean that there's one solution to that problem. So for some people at the weekend overeating, the solution to the problem might essentially be, okay, instead of cons- instead of being in a calorie deficit the weekend, I'm just going to maintain my, my weight over the week. So I'm just going to be in a calorie maintenance phase. So add an extra 500 calories. For some people, that won't work because when they give themselves extra food, what happens is they go overboard with it and end up overeat massively. So figure that out. Okay, that doesn't work for me. What's the next step? Maybe I need to get my routine better at the weekend. Maybe that's why I'm overeating. So maybe I need to have my three structured meals instead of waking up and skipping my breakfast and having my lunch because I wake up too late. Okay. If that doesn't work, what's the next step? Okay, maybe I need to focus on making sure I have my exercise session first thing in the morning at the weekend because then I'll feel good and I'll be more likely to implement the steps after that because, okay, I'll eat a little bit healthier because I've, I've got my walk in earlier on. It's about this, learning the steps that work for you because every person that joins your program or every person that's kind of engaged in health and fitness or trying to improve their health or trying to lose a little bit of weight, it's going to have to do it in different ways. It works different for different people and it's figuring out what way it works for you. And the only way you figure shit out is by completely fucking it up, by going in there, making mistakes. And that's the thing that most people get wrong because then when they face a mistake or when you're on your, your fat loss or weight loss journey and you end up gaining a little bit of weight or something goes wrong or you end up overeating at night or whatever the hell it might be, you give up because that's not meant to happen. And that this is not meant to be something I'm experienced. I'm meant to have this absolutely perfect. Not the case. You need to mess these things up because then we can learn and we can make progress from there. Yeah. Um, it, it's when people have that all or nothing mentality and don't know how to react to when they do fuck up a little bit because like you say, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I was actually only talking about this in December because a lot of people are kind of worried about uh, about December against putting on weight in December and fecking things up in December. First of all, my opinion on this, and I have a strong opinion on it, is that losing weight in December is actually more of a negative impact on your health than a positive impact on your health. And the reason that is is because there's a lot of health that people don't look at outside of just weight loss. Um, we're against the weight loss. If we just constantly focus on weight loss, we're going to have to restrict. We're going to probably have to stay away from plenty of social occasions. Probably have to pull back from a couple of moments that we could enjoy with our families. And in that case, if you're going to lose weight at the sacrifice of all of those things, likely you're sacrificing certain part of your social and mental health because you're going to have to not spend as much time with your friends and family. And I learned this the hard way from coaching one of my clients years ago. 
I was coaching her and at the time it would have been a little bit more strict than what I am now. And, and uh, essentially it was her birthday. She didn't want to have pizza. She was like, oh, I'm not going to have pizza because I want to lose a little bit more weight this week or I didn't lose weight last week or whatever. Went to her room because all of her family were having pizza in the kitchen. We're like, I don't want to engage in that behavior. I don't want to kind of stay there with her. So she went back to her room and her father didn't make it to her next birthday. And it was one moment that she actually regretted. And she was like, fuck, imagine I just spent a little bit more time and wasn't so worried about weight loss. So realizing that weight loss isn't absolutely everything in life. And I think that aspect of, of, of just focusing on weight loss in December is something that's wrong. It's like walking into a house, right? And expecting not to get burnt. In December, your house is on fire. Essentially, weight, weight loss, your house is on fire. There's so many different things that, like, there's more social occasions. There's more food laying around the house. If I go downstairs now, there's about four boxes of celebrations, two in the press, two open on the table. It's fucking hard for me not to pick at them. It's hard for me not to go around. And there is things that I can do to help improve that. I'm not saying overindulge and go miles overboard, but with it. If you get burnt a little bit, if you end up overeating a little bit, know that it's normal. Your house is on fire. Wait until January where your house isn't on fire. Things become a little bit easier and then you can push on and things will be easier. But the thing is to just not give up. If you give up through December and you feck everything off, well, then it's going to be really, really difficult for you to get back on, on, on in January. Understand that your house is on fire. You're going to make more mistakes than usual. Things aren't going to go the way that you do want. That's okay. And then wait till your kind of house quenches a little bit and you'll be perfectly fine and, and be a lot stronger for it when your house is on, on fire in January. And essentially, that's the way I've described it to my clients over the last little while is it's going to be a hard month. It's going to be difficult. Your weight's going to fluctuate upwards. And it's the same as if I have, and, and this is another way I explained it as well, because most people just have a weight loss goal through December. Change your goals. Add in new goals in there. Imagine, I don't know why I came up with this analogy. I just came up with it this morning. And I was thinking about birds and I don't know why I was thinking about shooting birds. And <laughs> I was like, imagine there was only one bird in the sky and I had to shoot that bird, right? It'd be very, very hit, difficult to hit. Likely I'm probably not going to hit most of the time. But say there was about 20 or a flock of birds that flew by your house and you took a shot. Likely you're going to hit one of them, right? And you're going to feel quite successful after it. So you'll likely take another shot at the birds tomorrow because you're successful at shooting. And then you go the next day and you take another shot. But eventually you're going to get better at shooting. You'll get more accurate and it's going to be easier to hit the bird that you do want. Most people only have one bird in the sky and that's weight loss. I just want to lose scale. I just want to lose scale. I just want to lose scale. That's it. That's the one bird. Way more likely to miss it, especially this time of year. Way more difficult. But meanwhile, if you throw 20 birds up in the sky and take a shot, you're going to be better at it. So if you have, I want to get my steps in. Uh, I want to feel stronger in the gym. I want to make sure I'm eating enough fruit and vegetables today. I want to make sure I'm drinking two liters of water. I want to maybe run five kilometers. Fuck as many birds into that sky as you possibly can. Take a shot and you'll hit one of them and then you'll be more likely to take, take a shot the next day and continue on instead of giving up and never taking another shot again. Yeah, lock me around explaining this. So, I mean, I, I'm glad you bought that analogy, but uh, it was a strange one, but I like it. It, make, it makes sense. Anyway, um, me, my brain works on a different Sometimes I don't know why my brain goes off on tangents. So, what, what would you say is like the, if someone's N0, let's call it, and they want to get into that mindset of putting as many birds in the sky, what basic steps or what, what, what is the first steps to doing that other than just saying, you know, don't be afraid to fuck up? Because a lot of people aren't scared to fuck up, right? Yeah, so I, I suppose the more you fuck up, the more you get better at fucking up. So you realize that it's a normal part of life. So one thing that's helped me with that is jiu-jitsu. I go in there every single day and I get absolutely smashed. So like I fuck up all the time. People people absolutely destroy me in there. So it's helped me be get better at dealing with that. But one aspect of fat loss that I think of, right, is everybody that wants to get to a certain weight. So if you're trying to lose weight, you have some barrier to fat loss because otherwise you just do it, right? If there's no barrier there, you just end up going losing weight. It'll be easy for you. But everybody has some sort of barrier to stopping them from eating less or everyone has some sort of barrier stopping them from exercising more. If you have a big barrier in front of you, which most people do, what you want to do is build small little steps to get you over that barrier. 
So for example, running, if I didn't have a barrier to run, I'd go out and run every single day, but I have a barrier to run because I fucking hate it, right? I absolutely despise running. One of my most hated forms of exercise, I don't like it. So I'm not going to do it consistently. The higher that barrier is, the harder it's going to be, get me to do it. So what you want to do is find things that have the least amount of a barrier for you to do, whether that be, okay, getting out on a walk, whether that be uh, something as simple as drinking two, gla two glasses of water throughout the day, whether that be even eating three pieces of fruit, the smaller we can make that barrier, the easier it is, but not only the smaller we can make that barrier, the easier that, that it is, or find something that has a small barrier is if we come up with something or small steps to help us get over that barrier as well. So for example, with running, if I'm taking up running and I really want to get into it, I don't know why I would, but if I really do want to get into it and I want to get over it, what I'm going to do is implement the small steps to help me get over. So put my running shoes on would be the first step of that. That's the first step to help me get over the barrier. Because if I put on my running shoes, I'm more likely to go and go out for running in comparison to what I don't. So if I have a run early in the morning, I'm going to get up and put my runners on first thing in the morning. Even if I don't go out for the run straight away, I'm going to put them on when I'm going for my breakfast and put them on when I'm walking around the house. And then eventually my running shoes aren't that comfy for walking around all day. I'd rather have no shoes on or slippers or something. So I'd be like, fuck it. So if I have them on, I'm going to get out and do the run at some stage. That's building the barrier. What I might do also is I have an electrolyte drink that I drink before I go out and run uh, downstairs. It's an easy step. There's no barrier for me to drink an electrolyte drink. Anyone can drink an electrolyte drink. But if I drink it, I've invested in my running. So I've put a step forward into going into my run because I've drank one of the drinks now. I'm like, Extra, I've drank that. I have to go out and run. So that's building another step. So that's another step that I can take. Another small step might be stepping outside in the cold. So if it's cold outside and I really don't want to go on a run, what I'll do is I'll just be like, okay, I'm going outside. I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to stand outside the front door. It's a step. I'm not going out running, but I'm going to step outside the front door. So I'm uncomfortable stepping outside in the cold anyways. So I may as well just go out and run in the cold because I'm going to warm up. So it's taking these small steps. If you have a really big barrier and everyone has a barrier, find something that maybe has a smaller barrier first and tackle that challenge. And if that barrier is still too tall and you can't get consistent with doing that all the time, let's build small steps to build up to get over that barrier. And that small step, again, is your shoes, drinking your electrolyte drink or whatever it might be, getting outside and walking in the cold instead of running in the cold, small things like that. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to know that it is small steps. Even It might even be day by day. It's just building up the way you're going to get to in the end. As sometimes it's like you're reading my mind on this because one of the topics I wanted to talk about with you today was when you did the Dublin Marathon because I was there. I was watching the, uh, the video the other day um, and one quote, I mean, there's a couple of obviously quotes that help people, but first thing I just want to start by having a bit of a laugh about it because I'm the same as you, like, I do a lot of running, I do high rock tips, I've done a marathon. Okay. It takes a lot to, to get into running. And a lot of people, when they think fat loss, they think, I better go for a run. Yeah. And I think 95% of the world fucking hate running. Yeah. Rather than try to force yourself to do something you don't want to do, find something that you do enjoy. I think I, I, I heard it on an episode you were on elsewhere before about just finding you, you, you refer to, revert to it rather than exercise, but movement. Yes. Finding that movement that you enjoy doing and that you can see yourself doing in, you know, 12, 18, five years time. Yeah. And that's, like, that's one of the things that one of my clients kind of reframed for me because she was like, every time we say exercise, it's straight away, I don't want to do it. So I was like, okay. Let's change it to movement then because everyone does movement every single day. People move to open the fucking fridge door. People move when they're out gardening. People move when they're out walking around. People move when they're dancing. You just get people to do more of that. It's the exact same. That's exercise. But people just reframe it as movement. It's just easier to do. Yeah. And when I was watching the video, a couple of quotes stood out to me, but I wanted to run by you and see what you thought yeah. from now. Cause it's obviously, when was it? When was that? A few weeks ago? Uh, yeah, this would have been about two months ago. I'm actually still recovering from it. So <laughs> my... And they're still not back. My body is still a little bit sore. My hip is still affected up from it. So rude me. <laughs> I mean, you, you, by the sound of it, you did it with a broken hip to be fair. Oh, my hip was in bits. I actually went to the doctor. So I started my training. Uh, I think it was eight weeks before the Dublin Marathon. 
And I went into the doctor and he was like, oh, Sheen, you need to pull back from training for a minimum like four weeks. Your hip is absolutely bits. Here's anti-inflammatories because he couldn't even touch. I thought it was that sore that I thought my appendix had to be removed. And this was like a week before IFS. I was like, I need to get my appendix out. And I thought I did. And I thought I was actually going to have to miss IFS because of it. And so I went in and he was like, no, it's just your hip is so bad. Like I can feel how swollen as you can see how swollen it is. And so, yeah, that was, that was fucking painful. <laughs> And this sort of links to my, it links to the McDonald's thing, I suppose, and it links to this as well, because obviously you, you tried to do it, well, you did, you did do it and you got a pretty good time with like four, just over four and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. Six weeks injured training. It's kind of like, um, but one thing you said is, uh, I'm Oshin and I don't like doing things properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how could people like use that and apply it to their own journey of life? It's true. I actually, I actually forgot I said that in the video. I don't think I actually meant it in that way, but it comes to everything, like being perfect with stuff, I suppose, is that you don't have to be perfect to, to achieve things. I've never been perfect at anything I do. I've never been perfect. In my IFS talk, I froze. I was stuttering. I was like panicking. My slides skipped forward and I was like, I need to skip them back. No one really cared, first of all. But second of all, I still finished the, the presentation. With anything, with the, with the marathon, my hip was in bits the whole entire way through. I stopped and walked at a certain point, went to the toilet, got out of the toilet, went on running. Does it mean that I didn't finish the marathon because I stopped and walked for a little? No, I still got the time. I still finished. That's it. That's all that mattered. So I suppose the one thing is stop seeing it as, as failure. So I talked about this in, in the talk as well of a lot of people look at things as just failure. And when you look at things as just failure, you don't learn from it. So instead it should be, okay, you feck up, you mess up, you uh, say over it or whatever the hell it might be. And you reflect on it. That should be the first thing. You shouldn't be looking at it as a failure. I, I did this wrong. Reflect on why it happened. So say I didn't finish the marathon. I would reflect on why I didn't finish the marathon and be like, why did that not happen? Because I only did six weeks of training. And not even an excuse way, but because I did six weeks of training, that's why I didn't achieve the marathon. So next time I need to put in more training in order to achieve that goal. If it comes to uh, weight loss, it's like my scale weight has gone up loads and loads. Reflect on it. Why has my scale weight gone up a blast? Maybe why I haven't been con as consistent with my calorie tracking as I wanted to. Maybe I'm not even tracking calories and I'm just uh, seeing how much fruit and veg intake I'm having and uh, increasing my protein intake. Maybe I didn't do enough of that. So what I need to do is reflect, learn from that then and make progress. But the thing is, it's a cycle. It never stops. So you're always going to fuck up more. You're always going to have to reflect. You're always going to have to learn from the process. You're always going to have to continue. But as long as you become and you realize that Fecking up is actually a positive because it's you getting to the next step or you challenging yourself more than you did previously and you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone or doing things that you've never done before. Then as you reframe that as positive, it's less likely that you're going to catastrophize it and give up after. So for me, the marathon, it was all a learning experience. It was like, I've never done any of this before. Of course, it's going to be difficult. Of course, it's going to be hard. And the more that you do hard things, easier to get. It's actually, I've seen this in Chris Williamson's podcast with Andrew Huberman. They were talking about a structure in the brain called the AMCC part of the brain. And essentially what happens with the ANCC structure is it decreases in size when we give up the challenges or we don't challenge ourselves. And so it actually decreases in size. And what happens then is we become less able to stick to things or we have less willpower. So essentially it's actually a structure of rent. The more we do things and challenge ourselves, even if we don't pass the challenge, but we challenge ourselves. And if we do things and we're able to stick to them, so say for dieting for long periods or whatever, and it's difficult and we, and we push through that and we do it, that structure grows and we actually get better at challenging ourselves, better willpower. So actually, a lot of issues with clients would be that they have done previous diets before that are impossible to stick that. So I won't name any here because it's your podcast. For my podcast, I would definitely name them. But there's there's two main ones, two, two main cunty ones that come to my head straight away. Um, uh, let's say a Slimming Club and the other one would be a powder that you drink and you have to drink that for, for a certain diet because they're so hard to stick that clients would give up while they're on them. And then that decreases the AMCC structure in the brain and makes the next thing that they partake in even harder to do again and harder to do again. So instead of 
going on a diet that's more sustainable, that makes it a little easier for them to stick to. Still challenging themselves, but it's more successful. And as they're more successful, the AMCC structure grows. They prove to themselves they can stick to things. And that challenge then it, it, it improves them rather than makes them give up altogether. But the long way around anyways, with regards to the, the me never doing things perfectly or properly, it's just that I'm so used to fucking things up and I learn from it. And then from there, I can make progress rather than looking at it as a bad thing. And human beings aren't meant to be perfect anyways. Yeah. And one thing you, one thing you led with that after that, you said, if I was waiting around for it to be perfect, I wouldn't have achieved anything at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 100%. Because I actually can't list I got, how many times I overate when I was trying to lose weight. Even now, I overeat all the time. Sometimes I'll get emotional and I still turn the food to cope with my emotions. But it's learning. It's like, okay, next time, I didn't feel great after eating. That whole piece after I wasn't feeling great. So now probably next time I'm not going to do it. Instead, I'll just go out and get it running. It's always looking at that aspect rather than the negative uh, side of it. Because in life, you're always going to mess things up. It's, it's always about learning. None of us, none of us are perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. As, as personal trainers, if people see us online and as coaches, probably people are probably like, oh, sure, that guy has it all clicked or that guy has it all um, perfect. It's not. We have just had the experience of learning from these things a little bit more than what you have. So what we're doing is teaching you the lessons that we've learned. So we've fucked up to get these lessons to teach you. We've essentially fucked up more than, more than you have. So as coaches, we've actually ruined more things than most people have. So we're actually... If you were to categorize things as, as fuck-ups or people as good or better for the amount of things that they've made mistakes of, we're actually top of the list of, of being shit at things. And because we're top of the list of being shit at things, we can teach people how to not be shit at things. Yeah, like I said, obviously, they're in, not every coach out there has been like that, but we fucked up most because we ended up probably more overweight than you are now. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and I don't know about you, but you know, I've done the endless cardio. I've done the extreme diets. I've, I've done everything that I should, shouldn't be doing to try and make it work and found what does work for me and then it's just about like what you touched on earlier about finding what works fit other people and exactly and the thing is me and you right relatively same weight you're about 129 kilos i was about 130 pretty much the exact same right we both still went down different methods and different routes in order to lose weight we both probably have different opinions on weight loss different ways in which we do things we probably have different coaching me mechanisms in which we help our clients with and that's normal because we're completely different if we were the same person, well, then all we'd have to do is hand a piece of paper to, to people or our job would be easy. Actually, we wouldn't have a job because ChatGPT could go and do our job for us. Just type in the answer and it'll give it to you. The difference is you have different experience. I have different experience. Some coaching client or someone that's listening to the podcast might go to you for, for coaching and be like, okay, do you know what? Actually, I really, really enjoyed the way Ashley was coaching me and I went to Ocean last week and I really didn't enjoy the way Ocean was coaching me. It doesn't mean I'm a shit coach. It just means I do things a little bit differently to what Ashley does and you might learn better from Ashley and, and, and than you will to me. And it doesn't kind of mean anyone's bad. It doesn't mean anyone's good. It's just that we have different ways of doing things. And it's the same as when you join a program or when you're looking to get someone to help you lose weight. It's about figuring out that method for you, which way works for you the best, rather than which way is online this guy telling me is the best or which way um, is, is the best for this guy that lost weight or I'll just copy this guy's diet that has done this before and lose weight that way because it's not going to work. It's the same as meal plans. Like people will jump on board and be like, Oshin, can you give me a meal plan? I'm like, I would because they're easy to, to, to write up. And the reason they're easy to write up is because I just write up exactly what I eat in a day and write the number of calories on it and give it to you. I just reduce the portion size if you need it or increase the portion sizes. Because one, I'm shit at cooking. Two, I'm not very creative. And three, that's what worked for me. And if it won't work for me, work for all you, well, then I just give you a meal plan and it'll work, but it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I'll be totally honest. Like within, within my program as a coach, I, I just don't do meal plans. I don't believe in, I don't believe that it is a cat blanche answer to everybody out there and everybody needs to eat the same because there'd be certain things that I eat. I mean, honestly, even throughout the pro the process, like so people see some things that I eat and think that's fucking disgusting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can't I've, I've been sat there in the bath at times so I was like keen in my protein, like eating green yogurt in the bath and I'm like, that's fast. it's gone too far. 
<laughs> you probably just won't do that. And that would that's me being extreme. I don't know about now. Or um or over the top, like if I if I put on your meal plan, fifty grams of gravy, I'll go with fruit, but make sure you lay it in the bath while you're doing it. There's probably people out there who would follow that and do it yeah. because somebody's telling them to do it. And one thing that I want to touch on there, it probably links nicely into that, is like how do people like you've got a lot of followers, yeah? Yeah. Um when when you put a message out there, a lot of people will see it. How do people know what's right? Well, not not what's right and wrong, but what's bullshit and what they can believe and like see through some of the influence and messages that people put out there. It's a difficult one because even some of the stuff that I would see, I'd be like, holy shit. It's like, say, it's easy for us because we're cultures, right? When you're signing with cultures, like, you kind of know what's right. And if you put in the research, you know what's right and wrong between content. You'd be like, oh, that's full of shit. But if you went, if we went and watched makeup videos, right? Two of us went, and, I don't know, maybe, maybe you know more about makeup than I do, but I have an effect please. So if I clicked, if I clicked on makeup, right? And I was going on TikTok and someone was like, this makeup's going to make your skin more firm. It's going to be this. I actually haven't a fucking clue. So I could, like, I don't, I, I don't know. It could, the video could have a million likes and it just makes me be, believe it even more because the video has a million likes or there's a million people here that like this video. Surely it's true. But if I scroll to the next video, then it could be someone else talking about how that makeup is shite or whatever, and it doesn't work. Then I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is what is real? So that's what people are like scrolling through health and fitness with Instagram and stuff um, and TikTok. I suppose what I would say to most people is if you if you you um, kind of follow, say, the leading creators or say that the, the, I don't even know how to describe it. Like how, how would you say? Scientifically researched creators is what I'd say. So people who put scientific literature on their videos, people who talk a little bit more in depth, people that probably make videos greater than 30 to 60 seconds. And again, I don't make really videos that talk in depth longer than that. So I'm actually pushing you to go towards people that do first. And so that's what I look at is look at those, even though they're a little bit more boring, they probably don't get as, mu as much engagement. Well, if you can see scientific literature, you know you're probably in the correct place, have a read through it. Um, and you can kind of make up that opinion yourself. But most people, after a while of watching a couple of different people, will come to a conclusion for themselves of, okay, this is right and this is wrong. And you're never really going to change that anyway. So I suppose looking at all different accounts rather than just looking at one. So looking at loads of different people, seeing what common message is there and taking your own message from it. But I, even for me, I can't answer that question because it's so fucking difficult. Do you have an answer to that? No, I'm asking you. But I'll, I will say one thing that you obviously said in the chat before, and if that's all right. Yeah. Like, like basically you're willing to put your message out there and what you believe in and what you know works and it's yeah. from a from a good place from a place of wanting to help but you can also get the message wrong sometimes and you're okay with that because we're human we're not perfect and even now as coaches we can still fuck up yeah yeah for sure and i think that's the biggest mistake that most coaches make is that they're afraid to put their opinions out there i i said this to you before we were just on the call here it's like if I put a video out there that I truly, truly believe in and I'm saying exactly what I believe in and someone comes back and says, Ushin, that is wrong. This scientific literature says you're wrong. This is why you're wrong and gives me a good explanation. I'm like, okay, I actually agree. I'm sorry. I've learned. And then I probably make a video being like, you know, I actually was wrong in my last video. This is probably more correct than what I was before. So I'd always correct myself on that. And I'm not afraid of being wrong. I think most people and most people that create content are really, really afraid of being wrong or putting the wrong information out there in case someone is going to judge them. For me, it's the same as I'm not perfect. I'm going to, at some stage throughout my entire couple of years on social media or however long I do it for, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make a video that maybe says something that is wrong. Or actually, do you know what? Sports science is ever involving. All the shit I was taught back in college for four years is absolute shy talk now. None of it is probably even remotely true. Most of it is incorrect, right? And so in a couple of years time, in four years time again, or five years time with regards to, to social media content, You'll probably go back and look at a lot of my videos and be like, do you know what, actually, Oshin, you're a little bit wrong there. There was more scientific research behind that. And this actually shows that this is better instead of what you said. Perfectly normal. But what we're doing is we're going with what's best right now. 
And I'm going from what has worked for me and what I'm kind of my clients have benefited from. And that's kind of the way I go with my kind of, but yeah, I'm not afraid of being wrong at all. Yeah, I suppose we've sort of learned to that question between us and it links back to the theme that you've been pushing through your content and through this podcast as well as like, don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to fuck up. Don't be afraid to, and, and not, not one thing suits every single person. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, like, it's the same, it's the same at work. It's the same kind of aspect of everything in life is like, you're going to mess up with things, but just, I suppose it's continuing on and rather than having one, say one criteria of success. So like, I'll relate this back to weight loss because it's something I was actually just talking to my clients about this morning as well was if you have a test, right. And there's 20 questions on the test and you answer every single question correctly, apart from question 19. So you answer question one correctly, question two, question three, question four the whole way down to question 20, but you answer question 19 wrong and you bring it up to the examiner and the examiner goes, you failed that test because you got 19 wrong and throws it back at you. You're like, holy, f- what, like, what the fuck is that about? Why is it only all focusing? Because most people's question 19 is just fat loss, just weight loss, that's it, nothing else. So question 19 for most people is weight loss. And if that go- doesn't go down or it goes up and it goes in the wrong direction in comparison to where they want or it's not going as quick, that's wrong. They give up, the test is wrong, they fucked it all up. Rather than looking at the other 19 things up, I did this correctly. I went out and got my steps in. I got my walking in. I did quite well on this. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling more motivated. I'm feeling more energized. Um, I am a little bit more happy in myself because I'm using exercise to cope with how I was feeling before. And maybe I've started therapy. Or I've started, you know, things for my mental health. I suppose there are aspects of life that you need to look at because it's not all just emphasis or not. The only criteria for success, success isn't the number that's written on the scale. So if you're 60 kilos with me, that you completed life and everything is perfect and that you're going to be super happy. It's like, what are the other 19 things? And then again, weight loss will follow alongside that after. Yeah, I mean, I would have a conversation with one of my clients inside um, inside the program recently, and she was like, she, she said, all oh, the scale hasn't gone down as much as she she, she would yeah. like. Uh, but obviously, she was feeling better. She would see even reduction in size of, of her body. And I'm, I'm like, the message I would try to get across to um because one of the things we try to push is like that positive mindset and realizing that it, it's not the be all and end all. And um, so it's just trying to get that message across that there's, Unlimited, well, not unlimited, but a massive amount of factors that can actually be cost as your progress. Yeah. I think when it comes to weight loss and coaching and everything like that, in the past, it is it typically been, you know, before and afters, numbers on the scales. Whereas now it's a lot of, I want to say, I don't know, I don't know if this is a word, I might make it up, but like unvisual things where it's like, it's yeah. feelings and performance based goals and everything like that. Because so, that's the issue. So again. Hard to sell. That's the issue. That's why most coaches put the focus on before and after pictures and stuff because people see before and after picture and it's easy to sell. They see like, oh, this is before, this is after. The reason I don't post on my page is because I remember when I was overweight looking at these before and after pictures and seeing a before picture that looks similar to me and being like, fuck, like that's someone's before. This is so bad or my body is bad. And actually at that point, I didn't even need to lose weight. So what I started to do was to starve myself to try to get down even lower because that was someone else's before picture. I think they're a wank thing. I think actually it puts more people off coaching than it does, say, gets people into coaching. Um, uh, like as in like people that really, really need help, it just makes them feel even worse about themselves. And that's why the focus should be more so on the aspects outside of it. Because again, at the end of the day, right, Ashley, 80 years old, 70 years old, whatever, you're going to put on body fat. Your scale number is going to go up. That is the resultant at the end of our fucking lives. When we get over 50, we get over 40, we get over 60, our scale is going to start to slowly go up. It's not. Yes, it helps you to mitigate that. And in order to reduce our body fat, yes, when we live longer, is there health benefits too? Of course, I'm not all on the body positivity side. I think there has to be an even ground or a balance in there as well. But I think the focus should be on how we're feeling because if we're not feeling good, 
and our confidence is really low, we're really suffering with all of the other things, we're not going to make it to 50. Long before, long, 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 long before our weight kills us, our mental health is going to kill us or how we're feeling about ourselves is going to kill us. Or kill, no, it doesn't even have to be death per se, but kill how we approach life. Like living our, living our lives in, in recluse and just staying inside the house because we're so anxious about how we look and the way we feel and what clothes we're wearing. That's much more detrimental to our health than a fecking number on the scales. Because as I said, if we're getting to 70, I can guarantee you that that poor relationship with ourselves, relationship with the scales, relationship with how we look, body image, um, how we're feeling is going to kill us off long before the scale weight does. Yeah. And I think, I think when you actually dig down into it, that is actually what people are wanting. That is, that is the end result that people are trying to get to the truck. They are chasing that feeling, but like you said, it's at the start, I think everyone goes, uh, one thing that I push and go through is like everyone goes through phases whereas obviously normally everyone's phase one is i want to weigh a bit less i want to tone up as i say but then i think once you start following or enjoying the process and going with it you might see this when people stay on longer in your challenges and stuff like they become more focused on the process and actually wanting to push themselves and see how they can perform rather than how they can look yeah do you you see more of that yeah yeah for sure yeah and i think that's that that's where the industry needs to, well, the results need to shift because. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a hard aspect because again, we, we both know before and after pictures, if I was putting up before and after pictures and focus on how people look all the time, because that's the initial buy-in for people is I want to look a little bit different. The majority of the time is actually not look different. It's look like someone else. Everybody that's like, oh, I want to lose a little bit of weight or I want to get abs or whatever. It's not actually that they want to get out. It's like they want to look like someone else that they've seen. And Stack news read here for everybody that's listening to the podcast. You're never going to look like someone else. Even if me and Ashley were on the same diet, did the same amount of exercise, lift the same weights, did the exact same program, me and you would not look the exact same, no matter what we did. Genetics would change. The storage of body fat um, on where we store our body fat will change. The amount of muscle that we do build will change. And so it's completely different person to person. If you're constantly allowing, looking like someone else to control how happy you feel, you're not going to succeed. It's going to be very, very difficult. But again, we both know if I put a before and after picture, I'd easily double or triple the sales of my, my group function, 110%. And I, I, I actually, I get them. I get a look at them for people because I think they are a good measure to have off the back of scale. But I think they should be kept personal after that person. And so I'll always give the feedback and I'm like, do you know what? Actually, you can see a huge difference here if their scale weight is down or their scale weight goes up and be like, do you know what? Your before and after pictures, if you look at them here, they're, they're massive. I think they can become negative actually when you're looking at yourself all the time in the mirror because then we hyper-focus on it. We become very, very critical. I think it's something to have, take a picture of and then look at it again in every six-week block or every so often rather than looking at it every single day or taking progress pictures every single day. I think they can be useful. I don't think they should be put all over on. I actually think um, as far as I know on Instagram won't let you promote them so it doesn't let you put them up on an ad or anything like that I'm pretty sure that could have changed but I'm no, I think you're right I think you're right um, yeah I mean to be fair just to touch on that as well is you will know um, you might like you might physically be in the best shape of your life right now maybe not but you're not far off probably yeah there's some days where you'll wake up you will look in the mirror and you'll still feel like shit even though you've been so much heavier and so much worse than you are right now yeah. So one of the things that, that, that I noticed probably at some stage last year, so last September would have been probably my lowest point in regards to my mental health. So like, what, over a year ago now, well over a year ago now, would have been my lowest point in my mental health. And at that stage, I hated the way I looked and there was a lot of other stuff going on as well. So like outside of it, just stress. And like, I remember my coaching business wasn't going where I wanted it to go. So everything was quite tough. One of the things I noticed with my body image that I started to improve was when I stopped focusing on it as much. Because most people that start training are like, oh, I'm lifting weights to get bigger biceps. So I'm lifting weights to 
bench press more and get a bigger chest so that women like me more or whatever the hell it might be. And that was the majority of my focus for going to the gym because I wanted to look like these models that I'd seen online or I wanted to build enough muscle to be big enough or whatever. And I think that that aspect made me focus on how I looked every single day. Every time I went into the gym, I just look at how big my arms were. I'd tense in the mirror, I'd before I went in for a shower, I'd tense and look at my body and look at the way I look. That just made me hate myself more. It actually just made things hundred times worse. So the more I looked at myself, the more critical I was, the more I wanted to change. Um, and then what started to happen is I started to really not enjoy training and I actually ended up with worse body image than I had at the beginning. Instead, now recently, when I got into jiu-jitsu, the sole focus of that is because it makes me feel really, really good. If I choke someone out, I tap someone out, it makes me feel really, really good. It's a competition aspect. I'm focused on now my weight training to get better at my sport or the exercise that I do enjoy because one, it's going to give me more benefit. But second of all, then there's no aspect of me looking at my body all the time. That is pointless anyways, because again, we get over 60 years old. Fucking hell, we're going to have wrinkles. We're going to get older. And if you're 60s, listen, it's going to kill me. But I said, let's push it out. 90 years old, we start pushing it. But it's going to happen anyway. So what happens is we're just delaying one delay, but also making ourselves depressed over stupid little small things like that when we should be focused on exercise to feel better rather than using it to look a certain way. And I think when you get too hyper-focused on that, and you notice that with a lot of people on social media. So a lot of people on social media, their social media followers are riding on um, what they look like online or what way, what shape they're in or what sort of training they have and stuff like that. That's something that I can only imagine the pressure. I can only imagine that pressure that is on that person. Matter of fact, I've worked with a client that was a supermodel and she came to me. One of, and everybody would look at her and everybody probably knows her and his list and I'd watch, would watch her, would see her and be like, oh my God, she looks unbelievable. She's stunning. I want to look like her. She had the worst body image that I have ever, ever, ever worked with anyone. She was so unhappy with the way she looked. She was so unhappy with everyone because there's so much focus on it. More focus you put on that or look in a certain way, the harder it's going to be for you and the more negative that's actually going to be. You're not going to end up more happy with how you look. You're going to end up way more unhappy with how you look. Yeah, I mean, I've done posts recently like, um, well, me and other people as well. I did a post recently about like, I have no aspirations to be a bodybuilder. Like I had a conversation with a guy on a, I was on the flight back from Belfast that I told you about last week. Yeah. And he said, I, so I told him I was a personal trainer or an online coach and he sort of like, sat back and went, oh, you don't look like a personal trainer, you know, you don't have big muscles even to all your cardio. And obviously in the past, I could have found that really offensive, but, but I got what he meant because people say personal trainer, people say the fitness industry, and you've got this image of bodybuilders and people on stage. Whereas now I like to think it's shifting away from that. And yeah, it's okay to have the aspirations to be a bodybuilder, to want to be on stage, but it's a small percentage of people. And honestly, it's people have said it in the past, it's like, it's an eating disorder on display because the, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, the work and the sacrifice you have to put in, but it, it's crazy the amount of stuff and the, the way the way it creates your mind and supplies. Yeah, that's what, that's what I never expected to be anywhere near it. Yeah, you're winning a medal for who starves themselves the most, the same yeah. Obviously, there's a hard amount of training that goes into building muscle mass and stuff like that, but to get on the stage, that's essentially what you're doing. And for a lot of coaches as well, the, the recent pusher, I think it's kind of calmed down a bit more recently, but like say a previous year would have been photo shoot coaches and it's putting regular and general day people through a body building, building prep that aren't mentally prepared for something like that, that don't actually fully understand the negative aspects that come along with it. And so what they do is they sign up for coaching for 12 weeks and they get them in photo shoot shape where people, lads are eating around 1,200 calories. Women are eating around seven to 600 calories to a point where they're losing their periods. They're fucking struggling to even get that back impacts their hormones negatively and fucks up their health for a long period of time. It takes months and months to recover from that. And if you're actually lucky to recover from it in a correct way, which most, most coaches don't, don't take their, their clients through and proper recovery from that. You just end up binging and regaining the shit on the weight and actually ended up in a binge restrict cycle over and over again. That's very, very difficult to come out. 
So even though people would see a picture of, of someone with six pack shredded abs and be like, I'll complete my photo shoot today and think that that person's feeling unbelievable, feeling unreal, likely they're feeling like shit and likely they're going to suffer with their body image for a considerable amount of time after that. Because what's going to happen is they're going to put on a little bit of body fat. They're always going to compare themselves to that photo that they got down to before. Always going to compare themselves to that photo shoot that they have, that six pack abs that they had for the space of one day, that time that they started themselves. And when they look back to that picture, they're not going to think about how they were feeling, they're going to think back to how they look. And they're going to want to consistently look like that. And to consistently look like that, you're going to have to eat 600 calories a day. How long can you keep up eating 600 calories a day before your body starts to shut down? Probably not very fucking long. So it's actually probably one of the most negative aspects of the health and fitness industry and actually shouldn't be allowed for general day people or for regular day people unless it's something that you're fully talked through, you fully understand what the positive and negatives are, unless you're a fully qualified coach as well to take people through that. Photo shoot coaches should not be allowed to take general clients through photo shoot unless they're fully informed and they have the proper qualifications behind it. Because again, that's what happens at 99% when you just develop eating disorders, develop aspects of where they're never truly happy with how they look, actually have really, really bad body image off the back of it and are constantly comparing themselves to what they looked like before. Yeah, yeah. And, and to fair, you say it's died down, but I still see, still see quite a lot. Of confidence shoes is the column, but... Yeah, yeah, this my fault. I fo- I'm not afraid to say it as well because so many clients, so many coaches are afraid to say it. But I, I actually that side of the industry, I fucking hate it, and it's something that again is a big, massive money making scheme. A big, massive money making scheme that is is that they can charge extortionate prices for the clients' photos. They can charge extortionate prices for the twelve week program. Roll people in for twelve weeks. They can charge extortionate prices for a premium program that you're going to get down to look like this. And don't fucking explain anything that goes in behind it. Don't explain that. Okay, they get these six pack abs. You're going to have to eat four hundred calories a day. Yeah. So you're selling another defeat. Yeah. Yeah. Package yeah. box that looks. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it recently as well. Um, I've only come across it recently. I think it's been around for a while, but this, um, I don't. This might be where our both of our scopes of practices. But um, have you heard of the Zoe? I have, I have, I've heard of the name, but I can't remember exactly what it is. I've seen on TikTok, I think. It mentions gut health, blood levels and all that shit. But like, again, what they're doing now, I see it as another like, when as coaches, people come to us and say, I've tried this. I see that as another version of that, um, more extreme. But the, again, it's like I said before, when, it meant, when I mentioned influence and stuff like they've got Davina McCall, I, I don't know if you, well, you probably know, but like Davina McCall team, so have been in good shape, like all life. Yeah, yeah. Should it, suddenly she's claiming this Zoe app is like a magic one that's helped her. But yeah, yeah. She, that's why I mentioned it's just hard to see through. Remember that when you're seeing ads on Instagram that these people are getting paid to say whatever, like it's not a review, it's a paid ad. And actually you can get in big trouble if it's not declared as an ad when it is an ad. Um, thing about Go Health, still a lot, a lot that is unclear about Go Health and it's, it's pushed a lot now recently as well. And I see a lot in a lot of my comment section of, this is going to fuck up your gut. And if you're not worried about your gut, this is going to happen. This is going to happen to you. You're going to develop cancer or whatever. Actually, the research on gut, we, we know the gut changes. We know that gut changes happen according to our diet and how much we're eating or what fruit and veg we're eating or whether we're eating uh, ultra-processed food or slightly processed food or unprocessed food or organic food. We know our gut changes, right? Nobody knows what those gut changes result as. Nobody knows what those gut changes cause our body to react to. Having a fucking clue because it's so, so complicated. We do not know the changes that occur. We just know that changes occur. And so until we get that scientific research, go health and stuff like that needs more research before we know exactly what to do. There's actually uh, one guy on TikTok, Dr. Dr. Something. It's not Dr. Aids. There's another guy, Dr. Can or something like that. Quite similar to Dr. Aids too, them kind of tackle uh, myths within the fitness industry. And he was just talking about recently, I think it might have been a couple months ago now, um, about how probiotics are bollocks, about how they don't really work. 
and that they were pushed for improving goal health for so, 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 so long. But yet the uh, impact of them is so relatively uh, small because their goal health has however many billion microbes or whatever the hell it is. And that this little probiotic has 16 million. So although 16 million might sound like a shit ton, 16 million is a drop in the pool uh, in comparison to having 40 billion. So do not kind of way. it doesn't really impact as much as people make it out to be. So there's loads of research that needs to be done in that. And I suppose go health now because it's such a big term and a big name. There's a way app can be like, if you improve your go health, you lose weight, but you need to do these magic things first. It's the basic shit that you need to do with everything. With cocoa, everything. I've had menopause coach experts. I've had experts in talking about PCOS, experts in talking about dementia, like females, and every aspect of that people are struggling with regards to weight loss. It all comes back to doing the basic things very, very well. For menopause, for P2S, for everything, it's literally just resistance training. So try to lift weights three to five times a week if you possibly can. Try to eat enough fruit and veg. Try to drink two liters of water a day. Try to get some form of movement in every single day and try to eat enough protein. Every single fucking thing, it's the basics. The basics, the basics, the basics. But yeah, if I come on here and I say, okay, but there's this quadruple, uh, triple thing that I have that you have to take or that you need to get in or you need to follow these, the methods, Let's call it the menopause method. You need to follow this exact menopause method. It makes it sound really fancy. It's not everything you've ever heard before. It sounds a little bit easier than having to do your protein or your water intake or that because it can't be that simple. It has to be something more complicated. So I'll buy that. I'll buy that solution. It's like, and, and it's like the dangling the carrot in front of somebody as well. A lot of coaches will do this. If I tell you how miserable you are and all these different things, it's very easy to sell you something. It's very, very easy to sell you something. If I'm telling you how bad this is or how bad that is and like that you have to do this specific thing and do this. If I have this solution and I have a made up solution in my head, it's very easy to sell that to you. But the made up solution is something you already know, like getting out and walking, resistance training a couple of times. It's not easy to sell something. So people don't because, and again, the videos that I would make that would have the most basic information in it do the worst. Because people don't really care. They're like, oh, should that can't work? It's because it's so easy. It's the, the information that's a little bit more complicated that people start engaging in. And that's what I try to focus my content on is making the complicated stuff super fucking simple and the super fucking simple stuff even more simple so people actually start to do it. And then actually trying to get into people's head. It's the small steps that you take or the smallest little things that are going to benefit you the most rather than these big massive changes. So if people right now could write out the type of person they are, so draw a picture, write out the type of person you are, like how many walks you do a week, whatever you're doing towards your health and fitness and make tiny changes to that. Small little tiny change. So take someone's diet, for example. If I write out someone's diet that they're currently eating breakfast, lunch, dinner. If I look at it and I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, they're having three coffees a day. They're having their three meals. Their protein intake is quite good. They're just overeating on their calories slightly. How can I change this diet plan as small as possible, a small enough change to make that person get more towards their goal of weight loss? Okay, the smallest possible change might be using low-fat milk in their coffee. If that's, some people might be like, sure, if I switch to low-fat milk, that's not a change at all. That's too easy. The easy change of switching to low-fat milk, you're going to be able to keep that up for the rest of your life. What do you want to do? Do you want to lose weight for the rest of your life? Well, then that's what you need to do. You need to make the small, simple changes. Ask yourself, with any diet or anything that you're trying to partake in, which can I do longer for the period of a year? So, for example, cutting out carbohydrates or counting my calories. Which can I do longer for a period of a year? Probably counting my calories and making sure I'm getting in control of it. Which can I do for a longer period of a year? Getting out and doing a five-minute walk or getting in seven gym sessions a week? Getting out for a five-minute walk. The things that you can do to improve your life from where you are now to the next step that you can keep up for the longest period of time, do them first. And then you're going to be much more successful with weight loss and much more successful at keeping off because the issue isn't losing weight. The issue is keeping it off. And that's the issue that me and you actually have solved because we've kept the weight off after we've lost it. Most people think, oh, if I lose weight, that's me being successful. It's not. It's keeping it off after that period of time. How many people do you know that have lost weight uh, eating keto? How many people do you know that have lost weight on uh, Herbalife or, or uh, Slimming Club or whatever, right? Loads of people have. Everybody that I know probably has lost weight doing that. How many of them have put the weight back on? Have they figured it out then? No, 
Exactly. Figuring yeah. it out is being able to maintain the weight that you've lost. I mean, weight maintenance isn't the exact same number. My weight will go up. My weight will come up as high as 90 kilos. It will come back down to about 75 kilos. I'll fluctuate in around there most of my life or most uh, of the time. I don't really want to go. That's normal. Fluctuating in around that amount is normal. Going from my 90 kilos or my 70 kilos, the whole way up to 130 and even higher is not normal. That's actually more of a strain on our body than not losing weight at all. So we just were to stay 130 kilos for a period of 10 years in comparison to going 130 kilos down to 60 kilos and then back up to 130. The person that went down to 60 kilos and back up to 130 is actually going to have more negative health in comparison to the person that just stayed 130 the whole entire time. So find ways in which you can reduce your calories and reduce your body weight over a long period. Yeah. And one thing you touch on there is obviously, especially when you're starting out is make a list or in, even in your own head, right down, say, what are the things that I'm willing to do right now? And what are the things I'm not willing to do? Yeah. You need to find what you are willing to sacrifice and what you still need to, what you still want to include because that's the only way you're going to do it long-term. Yeah, exactly. And it's always thinking of that long-term thing. People, too many people think, oh, I want to lose this weight really, really quickly and keep it off. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can lose weight really, really quickly. But then if we look in six months time, who's going to lose it quicker? The person that's taking a pound a week or the person that's taking it, that's taking it five pounds a week. Taking it five pounds a week, you're going to lose weight for the first three weeks and then you're going to put it all back on. So in six months time, you're going to be five pounds heavier than where you were before. The person that took it a pound a week for six months is going to be down however many, 30 something pounds by the end of that in comparison to you. So I suppose it's, it's, it's the long-term struggle for, or it's a, what is the short-term struggle or whatever for the long-term success is kind of what you want to be looking at. Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad you took that subject off of gut health because what you said was way beyond what I understand. <laughs> again, again, even for myself, there's so much research to it. I do not know a huge amount about it. I rely on the people that are well, well above me in the scope of practice. So for example, Ben Carpenter, absolutely brilliant. For example, Dr. Aids, absolutely brilliant. Uh, there's a Dr. Khan fella as well. I can't remember his exact name. Don't look up Dr. Khan because it might be some fella talking shit that's called him. But Dr. Aids and Ben Carpenter, anyways, two of them are absolute geniuses. And they've touched on it as well. Yeah, so I want to talk about something that you do know a lot about. Probably. Yes. Um, so obviously you've been through a long journey um, and through that your mindset shifted massively and obviously you had a good support system, you had a good starting point, let's, let's call it, um, and now you're in a place where you're putting content out there, you're doing things for you. And how do people get to a place where they don't give a shit what other people think? Hard one, hard one, hard one, hard one. So what's made this easier, I actually have this talk with mom all the time of why I found it easier to post videos online and not really give a fuck or like even with the weight loss aspect, why I found it easier is because I was bullied in school. So when I was going to make videos, if I was putting videos out online and I was getting a comment back to me, it wasn't as shit as someone actually bullying me in person. So I was already used to that stimulus of someone bullying me and making fun of me and taking the piss out of me. But I was used to it at a higher degree because someone used to actually do that to me every single day in school. And so when I was putting videos up online and people are taking the pace on my videos or telling me it was awkward or that it was cringy or whatever, I don't really care because you're typing through a phone. I don't really give a fuck, right? So that's what I learned. And then I also learned that no matter what you do in life, people are going to have a negative opinion of you. So no matter what you do, whether you sit at home and don't go to the gym, people are going to call you lazy. Whether you are overweight and you go to the gym, people are going to be like, he's fat, he's overweight and he's in the gym. So no matter what choice that you choose, there's going to be a negative opinion of that choice. If I post videos online, people are going to be like, that fella's so cringy. Has the fucking clue what he's talking about? I disagree with him. Some people are going to be like, Jesus Christ, Oshin's doing not what his life sitting at home, just working, doing a normal job. There's always going to be those negative opinions. I looked, I remember this specific point. I actually talked that, touched on this in IFS as well. I looked up one of the most famous people I could think of. So it was Dermot Kennedy at the time. He's Irish. He's a good singer. Um, I don't really listen to his music a huge amount now, but I'd hear him on the radio every so often. And he just seems really, really nice. I was like, there's no way anyone can fucking hate this guy. Like, not a chance. 
I clicked on his Instagram, clicked into the comments, and people were absolutely destroying him, telling him his music was shit, telling him he looks like an Egypt, and all different things. And I was like, if people can say that about him, there's going to be people that can say that about me. To build your confidence and to build that uh, aspect of self-belief and, and not, say, worrying about what other people think, to a certain extent, you're always going to really give a fuck about what certain people think about you, and that's a difficult part to get over. So what I think you need to do is build your resilience of dealing with that, because you're always going to have those feelings. But for me, it's always looking back and being like, okay, I was bullied in school. So this is a little bit easier than being bullied. Actually, in person is being bullied online. That's perfectly fine with me. I'm, I'm able to deal with that because I dealt with something harder before. So always challenging yourself. So if you're struggling with your body image, the first challenge might be wearing a little bit tighter clothes in comparison to what you wore the last day, but wearing them out, 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 out around town or wearing them around your house first. And it's just taking small steps to build that. So for people that might be struggling to post videos online, if posting videos online, what you want to do, well, then maybe post a podcast with no face or no camera is the easiest first part. Or maybe instead of posting a podcast, just put a voice note up on your story or something that doesn't involve you being on camera. Then the next step is, okay, let's build it up and be on camera, but let's just voice over that video. And instead of then the next step to that would be, okay, let's actually record me in front of the camera. And it's just taking these small steps because then the step before that becomes easier. And so another thing that helps me a lot is, is jujitsu because no matter what I do in life, and this is where it's important to have struggles in life because it helps you deal with the next thing. Jiu-Jitsu, do competition, I stand on my mats, someone is trying to strangle me, someone is trying to kill me, that's literally the goal, is the goal that this person needs me to tap out or go unconscious in order to win. So there's a person standing directly across from me that quite literally does not want me to stand up once we finish that fight. And so every time I go on the mats, it's the same thing. Someone's trying to kill me. And so when that happens, and someone, so the last competition, someone successfully did that to me, and I felt what that was like, and that was the worst thing I could ever felt. Next time I go to the competition, if someone chokes me out, it's fine because I've experienced before, it's okay. But also, jiu-jitsu and them hard struggles help me with every day. So, for example, if I came on this podcast and you call me a cunt, it's like, it's, actually, it's not that bad because I was at jiu-jitsu last night and some guy actually nearly tried to kill me. So this is a lot easier than it was back then. What you need to do is find things that are difficult and constantly challenge yourself with them. Because when you challenge yourself with difficult things, then suddenly things that are difficult now get a little bit easier, right? Over time, you get better at dealing with them. And it's just, again, it's it just... I suppose it's, it's just as humans, we grow through struggle. As things get, things get harder or things are harder for us, eventually they will get easier. All we have to do is just not give up. So if I went into jiu-jitsu the first time, got strangled and gave up, well, then I'm as best as my last time I go to jiu-jitsu, I got strangled, I'm never any good. And my confidence is way, way down. But if I go back the next time and I go back and try and do my best again, I might actually beat the person that bet me the last time and I'll be stronger and I'll be more say confident for that but what happens most people is they face a little bit of struggle or they face a little bit of a moment where they're not as confident or where things are quite difficult and they give up straight away instead of just trying their best ifs talk that i had i was fucking absolutely shit myself one of the first times i've ever done something like that and i was like okay what's the best thing that i can do let's just step on stage and see how it goes if it goes shit and i freeze and i don't know what to talk about i'll figure it out but the main thing is Unlike a jiu-jitsu competition, I won't be unconscious on the stage and I get to walk out and have a bit of crack with everyone else after. It doesn't really matter what way it, way it goes. So always understand that you'll figure it out as well. So no matter what happens, if it goes bad, if shit goes well, if shit goes bad, you'll always be okay at the end of it. The only thing that you're not okay at the end of is diet. Everything else, temporary. If you if I messed up, if I gob here on camera and I said something stupid or I took my top off and everyone was laughing at me, people are going to forget about it tomorrow. It's temporary. The only thing that's not temporary is dying. So unless it's dying that you're really, really worried about, I don't think you really need to be too fucking worried about it because it'll be over tomorrow. It'll be over the next day and everyone will forget about it. Yeah. And just to add to that, um, obviously a lot of people here won't have been at IFS, but it's, it's always good and there's a good turnout as well. I bet you're really happy with that. Yeah, it was crazy. I never expected yeah. And I think at the time, uh, Al Barrett worked from um, Grenade. Yeah, yeah, he was upstairs. And then uh, Jay Smith mentioned that there were more people listening to you downstairs than there were upstairs, which is, I mean, 
Yeah, it's crazy. I, I think that's because you knew your story and what you were talking about relates to a lot. Like, no, I mean, there might have been one or two people there that might be trying to build the next grenade, but yeah. other people might be trying to emulate what you've done or even just your message. Yeah. yeah that's why. That's a difficult part about next year. And I'm thinking now, like, what's, what's, if I do get to talk at IFS next year, which I absolutely love about, love to, what can I speak about? And the thing is, just the shit that I'm going through now on a daily basis or the shit that I'm going through this year, speak about that next year. Because the thing is, so many people try to hide all that sort of stuff. At those business talks or at everything, people aren't honest. People aren't open about their struggles, aren't open about things that have gone wrong for them. It's all, I did this, I did that, all this positive stuff. I'm making 2 million euros or I'm making 3 million pounds or whatever the hell it might be, because that's easier to sell. If I go on stage to you and I'm like, I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. I'm here today to talk about exactly what I struggle with and hopefully helps come to you out. First of all, I'm a human being. Of course, I've messed up over the last year. Well, I've messed up plenty of times throughout my life. But the thing is, I've learned little things from it. And I'm sure people have been through the exact same or are going through the exact same. It's the same as the weight loss stuff. I, with, with me help out the, the clients that I have that, are, are true weight loss and stuff. I'm essentially just talking them through shit that I've that has helped me before, stuff that I found quite difficult. And I find that I find that easy. And I think it's something that people relate to a lot more. It's the same as like as I'm talking about. If I'm talking down to you, it's easy to sell you something because I can tell you a direct plan. It's like this, this, and this. This is exactly what you have to do. You need to do this. Instead of talking about, look, this is what I did. I found this really, really tough. And then my client talking back to me and being like, you know, Ocean, that's really tough for me. I don't know if I can do that. I'm feeling quite upset about it. And I'm like, okay, look, I understand you're feeling upset. Let's try and make this path or let's try and do something else to try and help you rather than just doing exactly as, as what I say. And I think that's one aspect that I want to push a little bit more is like, everybody has these struggles. Everybody's normal on social media. You only see that highlight rate. Yeah. And I think that linked onto where uh, is a good place to probably finish this conversation up. Um, just to summarize from you, what are your top three tips? Anyone listening who is surely body confidence, yes. overwhelmed on where to start and wants to make a physical and a mindset change. Three top tips. So I suppose the first tip for mindset change, let's go with that one first, right? And it uh, kind of relate to everything. Um, is challenge yourself in some regards. So. Push yourself out of your comfort zone as much as you possibly bloody can. And like that might start off with something small, like going to the coffee shop to have a coffee by yourself. And that might seem like a small little thing that's not going to improve your mindset or not going to improve your body weight or whatever. But it's improving your confidence and feeling better in yourself that will. So these all things, all these things link to, to your body weight. If that is your, your ultimate goal is, is to feel better, obviously. So mindset change will be challenge yourself as consistently as possible with things that are harder each time. So the first time going to the coffee shop by yourself might be a hard step. For some people, that's fucking easy. That's something you don't even think about. The next step for you might be going to a gym class or um, the next step for you might be talking to someone that you've never chatted before, chatting to someone on beside you on the plane. I remember I did that going to my first IFS because I got to this mindset. I was like, okay, I was really, really um, upset myself at the time, felt quite down, actually got to the point where um, I didn't think I was going to make it to tomorrow. I talked about that in my IFS talk. And so I was like, fuck it, right? If I'm in that mindset anyways, I may as well push myself out of my comfort zone. I'm going to IFS. And so I remember on my bus to IFS I almost pressed I did press the stop button and the bus driver stopped to get me off off the bus because I was so panicky I was so worried but I was anxious so my ch first challenge is actually just getting on a bus and going to a fitness event by myself and what I think people need to implement is challenge themselves more if you're stuck challenge yourself push yourself out of your comfort zone fuck a few things up make mistakes because that's part of the human experience as well as making mistakes. So that's the first mindset thing because you've learned so much from that. And I remember on the plane to IFS, one of the challenges I set to myself was I had to say hello to the person sitting beside me and to the person to the right, I had to ask them a question. And I was like, fuck it, okay, I'm going to have to do this somehow. And just small little tasks like that really, really helped push me out of my comfort zone. So constantly challenge yourself would be the mindset shift. Three tips to someone trying to, did you say, lose weight or improve their body image? I, I didn't use them words. I just said uh, they're struggling with 
body confidence, overwhelm the work start. I want to make, make a physical change, whatever that, you know, may be. Okay. So I suppose three steps that I would take is get very clear on what it is exactly that you want to do. So whether it be lose weight, whether it be, um, say build muscle, get clear on the why behind that as well. So that'd be the first thing is you write out your goals, understand why you want to achieve these certain things, because even though it's building muscle, the main goal behind that might be, I want to look better for someone or I want to feel, and you realize how unimportant that is to you. And you have to have your goal that's important to you and break it down as simple as possible in order to achieve it. So for weight loss, it might be, okay, I want to uh, lose weight. Okay, I want to lose weight to to kind of be there for my kids and make sure that I can move around and have a little bit uh, more confidence in myself or whatever. Okay, how do we do that? What are the first steps that we can do that? Generally, what I get people to do is list out 10 things. List out 10 things that you can do tomorrow that are going to really, really help you out achieving that goal that you have in front of you. And I want you to list them in order of pain in your arse. So number one is the biggest pain in your arse. Number 10 is the least pain in your arse. Start with number 10 on that list. Start with the least pain in your arse and let's go step by step off that because start with the easiest one, we'll be more able to challenge yourself with the second easiest one, third easiest one, and then the hardest one as we go along. It gets easier and easier as long as we're kind of in the routine of that. So that's kind of the, the first tip. The second one would be understand that it's not going to be perfect. So like you don't have to be perfect to lose weight. Actually, I fuck up all the time. 99% of the time I ruin things. I do things wrong. It's normal. Again, learn from it. Understand that it's going to happen um, and understand that that's part of the process. That's what you're here for. If you got everything perfect, you wouldn't need to lose weight in the first place because you wouldn't have weight on you in the first place anyway. So you need to, to mess up in order to learn um, and make progress. And then the third one would probably be that thing of the small changes matter the most. So like the walking, the, uh, switching your uh, high fat milk, low fat milk or whatever. Again, if your goals are different, apply it to the simple things. Like for example, gym consistency is more important than your gym program. So going to the gym more times or going to the gym two or three times a week consistently is more important than the perfect workout program that you need to get. You don't need the perfect work, workout program. You just need to be consistent with going to the gym first. So again, it's the small basics to focus on because the small things really matter more than the big things. I think, I think that's three. I think that's the first. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. I don't, know, I don't know if there's another question. I'm so bad at remembering questions. No, 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 it's fine. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to wrap it up there. So it's been class talking to you and where can everybody find you? Thank, thank you, Ashley. Um, so Mulligan's Fitness on everything. It's Mulligan's with a Z. So M-U-L-L-I-G-A-I-N-Z. I don't know why the fuck my name is so long or why I chose that as it. it yeah, I mean, I like the name, but it sounds like um, Michael, like when you got the old email address you made up in high school and just kept it. Actually, where it came from is when I started getting into personal training and that the lads used to start to piss out on me because my last name was Mulligan. Yeah. So they were like, oh, Mulligan's, he's going again. And then I used that as kind of like something, something like just funny, just being like, oh, geez, yeah, Mulligan's. So I treated that up. And I actually made the account years ago, got bullied for it, stopped posting videos, and then reset up the account after college and started going with it again. That's good. Stuck with it. It's worked I out. There's a story behind it. That's why. Uh, Try me on anyway, Ashley. Yeah, thanks again. Legend.